Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. (laughs) Hey, man. Good to hear from you today. We want to talk a little text and think about preaching as we approach the, uh, well, we're approaching the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, first Sunday in November. But we are uh, making a choice here. We're actually going to be talking about preaching for all saints, Uh, even though, of course, the all saints was technically on the first. Most of us, we figure, are going to need to deal with that in some way. So we're going to be working all saints texts today. If that leaves anybody high and dry, we apologize. But... uh, you know, you can call Delmer directly at BR549 and he'll offer you some 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 help. No, uh, I won't. I'm not looking yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so tell us uh, tell us so about I'm, it, Bubba. I'm in my usual uh, extended office of the Two Bubbas in the Bible, the youth room at Good Shepherd Episcopal Church in Hayesville. Picked up Sunday's bulletin on my way in the door, and in the announcements it says, All Saints. The Remembrance of All Saints will be held on Sunday, November 5th. <laughs> and that's Episcopal, so we're safe. We're safe. All right. I think we are. Most of us are going to be dealing with All Saints on the first Sunday. One of, one of the things that I, I will think about this time of year coming up uh, Sunday is Reformation Sunday, and I'm preaching at the Episcopal Church. They said, we want you to preach on that Sunday. The pat priest is off for men's retreat. And I said, well, it's in the Lutheran church, it's Reformation Sunday. How about doing your full communion partner a favor and let's do all Reformation. So <laughs> we're dressing yeah. out in red and doing Reformation at the Episcopal Church. Sunday They're all with happy us. with that, yeah. So um, I was thinking about how Lutheran, anyway, altar guilds hated this time of year just because they have to change the paraments every Sunday. The su- it's after a long yeah. period of green in ordinary time, suddenly the last mm-hmm. Sunday in November is red. Then the yeah. first Sunday in, I mean, the last Sunday in October is red. Sure. First Sunday in November, All Saints is white. Then you go back to green for an ordinary time. Then you got Christ the King, which is white. And then most years, the last Sunday in November is blue. Yeah. So they're like, we have to change them every week. So I was thinking this morning, I was thinking, I'm surprised that some liturgical haberdasher or whatever they are that create these (laughs) things has not created a special November chameleon pyramid set that incorporates all the possible colors. There must be some way to have something for the altar and the the lectern in the pulpit that incorporates red, green... (laughs) white and either blue or purple for advent i just think it would be lovely and would save (laughs) a lot of trouble for many small town altar guilds there you go yet another idea for lectionary lab um merch store uh either that or you you get that designed and open delmodoright.com and uh, people can, can sign in and uh, it's all for liturgical, liturgical cheapskates. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Come to DelmoDoRight.com for crappy-looking stuff that'll get you by. <laughs> right. It'll uh, get you going. All right. Del- including Delmer's recommendations for clergy attire, get your black <laughs> pants, your black shirt, keep one uh, extra tab in your truck, there you and go. Uh, you're ready to go. Ready to go. I had a black uh, a black tab shirt and uh, uh, in hanging behind on the gun rack because I didn't have a gun. I hung it on the gun rack and I, <laughs> and I kept several tabs under the collar so that yeah. no matter what I was wearing, if I got called to a pastoral emergency, a quick Whoop. change mm-hmm. and I Superman. was good to go. Superman had nothing on you. There you didn't you even need a phone booth. There okay, man. All right. So, possible themes for All Saints Sunday. Uh, originally, originally, um, All Saints was uh, All Saints Day was similar. I, I, I make it similar, somewhat, to Paul's at in Acts at Mars Hill, the altar to an unknown god. Yeah. Early church, they had all these saints days honoring people they had known who had been martyred and sainted, and they were afraid they missed some. So on All Saints Day was an observation for all those that they knew not the names of. Yeah. And this evolved eventually into a, a theme that most of the church operates under for All Saints, which is all those who have gone on before. Uh, technically, uh, the churches that observe All Souls Day on November 2, that's what that day is for. But right, it's right. all come together in a, in a kind of theme of all the saints, past, present, future, etc. I think most of us in the modern church, most modern All Saints celebrations um, include uh, a focus kind of locally at some point. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. again, the same church bulletin, Good Shepherd and Hazel. If you would like to have your loved ones remembered during the reading of the names of the faithful departed, please add those names to the sign-up sheets in the hallway. Right. Most congregations, we go back and name all those who passed this year. Remember them as uh, the faithful of this local place who've gone right. on to join the church eternal. So um, there's also in the modern church a, a kind of an emphasis that shifts that we are all saints. Yes. Uh, that not uh, sliding back from the plaster saint notion of certain people earned sainthood and the rest right. of us are struggling. It's kind of a more Protestant theme, I guess you might say, that we're all saints. And it's consistent with the way the New Testament talks about the the, ble- the holy ones of God. You know, right. we are the saints gathered at and this, that, and the other. So uh, kind of a summary is that uh, we're, we're thinking about what is a saint? on this day and so there's a kind of combination of themes and this is one of those days where i like to say the day determines the homily more than the text yes the text add to what you're trying to say what the heck yeah john are you there i am here uh suddenly hp wanted to know if i wanted to change my device no you don't no and i'm back sorry that's Everything all right. I'll cut went. that out. Let yeah. me mark that at about seven minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah, it just suddenly the screen changed. I, I, We're good. I love yeah the stupid notifications that come yep. up in the middle. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So all if, right. So the, so it like I said, the text. This is why I've spent this much time on saying what is all saints. You got to decide What's what you're about? celebrating today. Right. Right. And I think for you know, and your local tradition will make a difference. But I think for most of us. 
it is an issue of those who have gone before us as models of Christian faithfulness, uh, those that whose model may have been less perfect than others. <laughs> and we look back and we think about their life. We think about our current life. And remembering we are all saints and are, as John's text says, trying to purify ourselves. In what right. way can we be improve our yeah. saintliness, our, our discipline, right. our discipleship? Uh, there's an old story, and I'm going to shift from this section into the text after telling the story. There's an old story uh, floats around about the, the, man, the pastor having children's time. And he yes. says to the kids, this is All Saints Day. Does anybody know what a saint is? This was a church, classic old church with the old stained glass windows. And one of the kids pointed to the stained glass windows and said, well, those are all saints, so I guess a saint is something the light shines through. <laughs> now, whether that's true or not, who knows? It's one of those yeah, preacher stories. Yeah. Sure, But it does bring a point, and you might tell it differently if you want to be more accurate yeah, yeah but it is a light a saint is someone where the light of god shines through to others that's a good story and i must say it probably fits better than another of the old stories from children's <laughs> sermon uh on uh memorial day and the preacher asking, you know, why do we have Memorial Day? Well, it's for those who died. We remember those who died in the service. And the kid says, well, was that uh, the first service or the second service? Eight o'clock or 1030. Yeah. So better, much better, much (laughs) better. A saint is someone the light shines through. So let's go to Revelation. First lesson from um, uh, replacing the Hebrew scripture lesson with a a, uh, epistle today Mm -hmm. um, from Revelation. And um, I, I always remember my class in New Testament survey at UNC Chapel Hill with Dr. Bernard Boyd, a wonderful teacher and Presbyterian minister who died the way I want to die. He preached at First Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, went into the pastor's office, took off his robe, lit his pipe. The pastor said, I've got something to do. I'll be back in a minute. And when he came back, Dr. Boyd had died. Was gone. And I've thought about that. I was very hurt, and he was in his 60s for years. But I've thought about it after 40-some years of preaching and thinking, that's that hmm. would be good if I got to die. That's not that bad. That's yeah. a good way. That's well, it. Dr. Boyd, always somewhere in November, some eager student, usually an evangelical student, would say, I doesn't look like we're going to have time to get to Revelation. <laughs> and Dr. Boyd would say, hmm. Well, it's on the agenda, but somehow I never get to it. (laughs) Wise man, never get to it. Uh, It's difficult. Um, I'm going to give Delmer's take briefly, and um, because this is not an exegetical show as such, but my take on Revelation is most of it discusses uh, is based on Jewish apocalyptic imagery to describe the persecuted state of the early church under the Roman Empire, and to assure those present-day sufferers of God's blessed future. It's a kind of hold on, God's got this. That is my take. 
Uh, so when we look at this, look at this text, we're in the midst of John's, in quotes, the writer's trance state, and talking about what he saw in this trance state, this vision. Right. And this is typical of apocalyptic literature, seeing visions of things. This cool. comes with the, like the modern uh, novelistic technique, show, don't tell. So he's showing some things. And the show, one of the things he's showing is the universality of God's grace. Verses 9 through 12, those who gather around the throne of every nation, tribe, and language, everybody's included. A great multitude that no one could count, that's which right. is, to me, I read, no one could put a limit on. Yep, right? that's, there's, there's no 140, you know, whatever 144,000 is, it's not a number, it's a symbol. There's, there's no way to count these. Now, verse 13 is a key question. Who are these folks? And he, the, the, the trance state person, answered the way I answered most questions in elementary and high school. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> my daddy, you my tell dad, me. <laughs> my daddy had a had a joke along those lines about the kid that the teacher said, Johnny, what's four plus twelve? He said, Hmm, teacher, I don't think I know. <laughs> teacher, I don't know. What do you think? She said, I don't think I know. He said, Well, I don't think I know either. Yeah, ba-doom. Ba-doom. <laughs> I don't think I know. Who are these folks? And the, the answer, you know, that's a setup for an answer, is those are the ones who came out of the tribulation, an unfortunate term these days, or the great ordeal. Right. In apocalyptic thought, this was a kind of a, a great turmoil and trial or battle at the end of time that everybody that goes through, and those who went through it, who, and in this case, lost their lives, their martyrs, had their robes washed in the blood of the lamb, but came out white as snow, pure. Uh, and 14 through 16 des- describes the reward of those who go through a trial. Serve God in a temple, and there's no hunger or thirst or, or tears, and they have safety and protection and, and provision, etc. So for us, what the question is from all saints... What do we gather from this? What what does this teach us? Well, not most of us aren't going to go through um, a big actual physical battle. Life is long and somewhat difficult for all of us. I was talking to an old friend this week, and I was reminded of a funeral I preached that I didn't remember. Was, when I was in my early 30s, he was in a neighboring parish, and he and his co-pastor had come to this funeral because in that part of North Carolina, in Rowan County, half you know most of your members are related yeah. to somebody in these other Lutheran churches. Mm-hmm. So any funeral, and, and you go to relatives' funerals, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he reminded me, he said, you did this illustration, you had this devotional book you'd gotten from Miss Liz's table it was worn and tattered and you held it up and said here's her devotional book and it's just worn out and so was miss liz she went through life she got worn and tattered she just wore out and died but now the promise is you know and i'd never i'd forgotten it years and years ago but when he yeah. said it i said that's all saints now most of us do get worn down 
I know that now better at 70 than mm-hmm. I did at before mm-hmm. 34, three or four, because right. that's how old I was. But then it was an intellectual understanding. Now it's a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Life can wear you out, particularly trying to remain faithful. All the commitment. Yeah. And this is a promise that the faithful will be in the presence of God. Yeah. That's what well, we I, here. That's it. And I, I, I want to give you a quick, slightly alternate take on, yeah. because you're right, the traditional sort of apocalyptic interpretation, and particularly those of us these days that have been influenced, for better or worse, by in in times, etc., preaching and, you know, oh, I, prophecy and all this stuff, which has soaked into our culture. I bought a book uh, once just because mm-hmm. it was called Things to Come, and the man's name was J. Dwight Pentecost. Oh, Seemed boy. perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I learned well, all that stuff from that book. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there is this idea, right? and you, you spoke it well. That is traditional. I want to invite you all to reread this passage a little bit. Uh, there's nothing in here about a climactic battle. Nope. There's nothing in here about people having to be martyred to make it through this. Yep. Um, again, you that opening clue, this is the great multitude from everywhere, all tribes, nations, peoples. Uh, you know, there'll probably be some folks from uh, Gaza. There'll probably be some folks yep. from Israel, maybe one or two from America, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then the great ordeal in verse 14. These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. I've been I've been studying the, uh, with, a, with a group here. You know what? Life is a great ordeal. It's tough. And you're right that the church that was hearing this were living a great ordeal. It it was hard to be the church. And it is just as valid to claim that we have a vision here at the yep. ending of time. Everyone who's come through the great ordeal and uh, the value of faith. And, and this is a, a hint. The ending of this section is a hint of what we see again in chapter 21. Many of us have gone to Revelation 21 for our funeral services, etc. And no more tears, no more crying, no more death. Uh, you know, the former things have passed away. Well, here it is. Hunger no more, thirst no more. Uh, uh, we'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's actually a Hebrew scripture promise. Uh, yeah. And and it gets woven into these themes. So, I think that fits wonderfully your idea of we are the saints. Yep. Some have gone before us and have finished the great ordeal. Yeah. Others of us are here and now, and we are called to be faithful in the midst of the great ordeal. So don't don't feel bound and constrained per se to, uh, you know, the traditional apocalyptic language. This is an apocalyptic book. Well, uh, well maybe but, yeah. maybe I didn't make myself as clear as I thought I did. I was saying that's the tradition he was falling back on, but what he was saying to us is exactly what you said. Life is an mm-hmm. ordeal, and yeah. and we live through it, and God is present. It's the great Liston Mills question that you always bring up. Can God mm-hmm. be trusted right. even in the difficult times of life? And the answer is always yes. Yeah. Uh, that's Psalm 34 as that goes with this is the Psalm 34, the testimonial that, um, that the person 
is giving an individual thing in which is says i give great thanks and let me give you my testimony we would say in the old evangelical church or let me tell you what happened to me and i had this difficult time and i called on the lord he came to me then there's an invitation to everyone to join in praising god and when they're in difficulty remembering the or the psalmist um expression of confidence and to join in that confidence, which goes back to the text of revelation again the assurance to all of us and whatever struggles we're having in life that this ordeal we're living through is god's blessing upon us we'll make mm-hmm. it so that's revelation and uh the psalm we're moving to john 1 john 3 1 through 3 uh talks about children of god in um i.e the saints i think the language here calling us children of god is talking about saints there are three important things in these three verses for me and one is it's a gift it's a given not a reward right right Uh, i think that for me is terribly important here notice the first verse uh see what love the father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Uh-huh. That is not what we will become. That is what we are. And then it moves into the the uh, very Johannine kind of discussion of that. This is the Johannine of the Father through Jesus to us and back and forth, that whole dynamic that flows. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, et cetera, et cetera. And what he's saying in some ways is the Father doesn't, the, the world doesn't know you because it doesn't know God, doesn't yeah. know God. Uh, rather than, than worrying about an accusation set and, and applause for ourselves, we know God and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> leave, leave the world out of this for a second. And think about ourselves. Yeah. Again, this is a this is the the mystery of God's gift. Whatever faith we have, whatever awareness we have of God in our life is God's gift to us. Yeah. And just as the world has not achieved God's total perfect end yet, neither have we. What we are has not yet, what we will be has not yet been revealed. Again, the gift of God. Um, We are moving toward it. And the more in which we relate to the revelation of God in Christ, the more we examine it and live in it, the more we become like the Father who sent Jesus. That's the kind of Johannine dynamic here. Right. What we do know is this. <laughs> this is one of those things, even this writer, we want to know everything. Right. And he said, yeah, we don't know everything. <laughs> Here's what we do know. Here's yeah. what we do know. When God, Christ is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. This is the great imagery not a hidden sort of plays with the hiddenness of not but not special knowledge that we have it, it it ties in with paul over there that you know now we see in the, as in a glass darkly then we'll see face to face right 
And this ties back to Revelation where it talks about, you know, this is what we see now. But God's ultimate reality is this other thing. Yeah. And who we are as children of God will gradually be revealed. It reminds me of some things C.S. Lewis had to say and things like um, The Weight of Glory, which is one of his more famous sermons, and some other places about we see ourselves mm-hmm. as human creatures with a spiritual life and right. that we are in reality, right. we are spiritual creatures with a human life. And that's the dynamic he's playing with. This text, I think, is playing with. We look around and, and see ourselves in brokenness and hurt and pain and inability to be pure, as the next text goes. But God sees us as we will be, as children of God, as saints. And in that time, that whatever that we will in the future, that future hope, We will see ourselves and God as we really are, who we will be. All right. Yeah. I think that, and I think that fits in so well with the theme you're emphasizing. It's, yeah, God saying, I've got this. Don't worry about this. Whatever we're going to be, we will be like him, right? We will be like this loving God. We will be, it'll be completed in us. And we just need to relax a little bit, you know? And uh, God has got this. I love it. We move the the famous Beatitudes for Matthew, for all saints, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I recall, uh, don't want to beat a man when he's gone and down exactly, but I remember a book by, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, why can't I remember his name? Crystal Cathedral, Robert Schuller. The yeah, yeah, Be yeah. Happy Bob- Attitudes. Uh, he kind of missed the point, in my opinion. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, who, you know, who, who, is, uh, yeah, who is he really? Yeah. Mega church founder, you, you know. know. I just <laughs> think he missed the point here. But who is, who is Jesus yeah, talking to? That's the most first question here. And it's an interesting one, verses 1 and 2. Yeah. It, you know, and just listen. And so he says, Jesus saw the crowds. He saw the crowds. Then he went somewhere up on the mountain, and he sat down, mm-hmm. and the disciples came mm-hmm. to him. Then yeah. he began to speak and taught them. Who is them? <laughs> the crowds or Who the disciples? Them? And I, I'm, they're various opinions. My, my opinion, having read various things, is that this he is teaching the disciples in the presence of the crowd, which gotcha. says, what is, gotcha. who's this message for? And the reality is it's for those who have committed themselves to the way of the cross, mm-hmm. to following Jesus, who have become disciples, which means they are trying to discipline themselves to follow his teachings. But it's not a secret. It's not a kind of a secret handshake club. The church is a community, right. not a club. So that's why all our services are open to everybody. But they're aimed at, mm-hmm. some of these kind of teachings are aimed at those who have made a commitment, who are seeking to follow. So it's not trying to reorder mm-hmm. society, you know, along those lines. This is about right. who are we as the church, as the saints, the gathered saints of God. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to think about as, as we think about who are we, ta- who, who are we talking to? The second question has to do about these blessings. 
and how we present them. Because it's, it's very easy to present them in two wrong ways, I think. And uh, one is that it's easy to say, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if we want to go to heaven, we ought to be poor in spirit. We, we all we got to get, gotta get poor in spirit. Or, yeah. And go down through the list. Are the meek, those who hunger and thirst, you know, and we ought to do all this if we want to inherit the earth and go to heaven. That's not how they're presented. That's not, that's not it. Right. Uh, in right. reality, right. Um, God's imperatives are uh, couched in and surrounded by grace. That is, okay. so blessed are they who already <laughs> mourn, those who, who already mourn. Yeah. Those who are already poor in spirit, those who are already meek, and I'll come back to that one in a minute for another reason. Hunger, those, it's, it's, obedience is a response to God's grace. It doesn't earn God's grace. And it's important that in our proclamation, we are careful not to say, these are the things Jesus expects to us. Now, y'all, strip, step up, sharpen up, get with it. I'm fixing to tell y'all today about 10 things you can do to go out and be blessed. It's not an ought, but a promise. The second thing is to be careful about how you understand these things Jesus is talking about. And I'm going to lift one up, one out. Um, Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What is the word meek? And why is it here? And what does it actually mean? Uh, we have a, a tendency to think of sweet Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. <laughs> you know where that comes from? Yep. Charles Wesley's hymn, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. And it's been in 241 hymnals. The last time it was in a Lutheran hymnal was Thomas Service Book of 1917 in the section Hymns for Children. And it paints a kind of picture that between Charles Wesley's, um, you know, early 1700s and in the 1800s, the Victorian era and our early 19th century, 19th and 20th century Sunday school teachers who wanted to get them boys Mm -hmm. under control. Um, The mildness and the meek got misunderstood. So go back and do the Greek word, which I can't actually pronounce, uh, press, I think. It indicates humble. Elsewhere it's translated where Jesus says that he is humble in heart over in chapter 11. But go back deeper into the Greek and you will find that it was first applied to war horses. And it's about (laughs) how they would get wild horses and train them. And the ones that were meek were the ones who had been trained so that they would have their wildness under control and could be disciplined within the, the battle. They are a horse trained for the battle. And so when, when you look at this word, what does Jesus mean by meek? Does he mean Beat me, beat me. Or does he mean, do you have your wild passions under control and in the service of the gospel? 
Do you have your revenge and reactivity disciplined by God's grace and love? That's the question. And all of these can be, you need to be careful for. Yeah, it's a great time. I think this would make a great passage to talk about on this day. And as you say, it is, these are characteristics that become a part of who we are through the work of God. And it's, uh, particularly with this word meek, it's yeah. an intensifier yeah. in that Greek language. Yeah. It's more than this. It's, it is the idea of under control. And I, I think the horse is a good image. You know, it's a powerful animal, but when it becomes controlled, focused, that, that there's a reason we put a harness on a horse. When that yeah. power is harnessed and focused, it's a tremendous thing. Well, this, the same thing with character in our lives. Um, under control, harnessed, focused, turned toward uh, the holy purposes of God, which is, again, back to we're all saints, we're hagios, yep. we're holy ones. Not our behavior, it's God in us, which is Well, the other thing, thing. That, that, that comes into this is then we have to be careful as we proclaim this to understand the difference between blessing victims and calling people to victimhood. You know, too well, often you, yeah. you take this and, and it becomes calling people saying, well, you have to be willing to be a victim. And think of other people that have unfortunately been told, well, that's just your role in life. You know, and we have to be really careful. Say, God didn't call anyone to intentionally suffer just for suffering's sake, to be a victim. There is a difference. And, and one needs to think it Absolutely. through and how it's going to be heard because there are a lot of people in our pews that we are, are suffering things the world knows not who can mishear. Correct. What we say when we talk about blessed are the meek, blessed are the persecuted, and say, well, I guess I'll just have to put up with it. I just, yes, there's a, a blessing, blessing somewhere. somewhere. I must be, it must be God's will my husband beat me every night. Must be hmm. my will that daddy does to me what he does. You don't know what they're going through. And be very careful not to add a blessing to wow. their, their, their abuse. Mm. Mm. Powerful insight. That's a powerful insight. Well, Bob, I just want to point out for our listeners, you started this section by saying, is Jesus speaking to the crowd or is he speaking to the disciples? And uh, it's a great image of speaking to the disciples within the context of the crowd. You are aligned with great theologians at that point, such as <laughs> Monty Python. And this scene is, is so perfectly captured in their movie, The Life of Brian, where there's Jesus uh, holding forth on the Sermon on the Mount, and the disciples are close up, and then the, the, the scene sort of goes back to those who are far back on the fringes. And uh, one gentleman turns around and said, what is it he said? Blessed are the cheese makers. Does does he mean cheese makers specifically, or is it the entire dairy industry? And there's, you know, <laughs> those are the back. There's of the nothing white can be said so uh, carefully 
that it will not be understood by somebody in the congregation. I don't know how many times you and I both, we've been confronted afterwards with something that we supposedly said. Yeah. And we have no idea that we actually and you're going, I don't believe I, I don't said think that. I said that. <laughs> well, we we humans are prone to mishearing and hearing within our own context and uh, interpretation. Uh, so just know today that blessed are the cheesemakers. And uh, we'll we'll finish up with that. Bubba, good stuff today. Uh, but I don't think there's much else for us to do other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. How blessed are the sorrowful. They shall find consolation. How blessed are those of gentle spirit. They shall have the earth for their possession. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Bubbas and a Bible production. Our opening theme is, of course, Next Steps, performed by Half.Cool. We listen in as Jesus gives the Beatitudes from The Life of Brian by Monty Python. Speak up! Quiet, Mom. Well, I can't hear a thing. That's kind of astounding. You can go to a stoning any time. Oh, come on, Brian. Will you be quiet? Don't pick your nose. I wasn't picking my nose, I was scratching. You were picking it while you was talking to that lady. I wasn't. Leave it alone, give it a rest. Do you mind? I can't hear a word he's saying. Don't you do you mind me? I was talking to my husband. Well, go and talk to him somewhere else. I can't hear a bloody thing. Don't you swear my wife. I was only asking her to shut up so he can hear what he's saying, Big Nose. Don't you call my husband Big Nose. Well, he has got a big nose. Could you be quiet, please? What was that? I don't know. I was too busy talking to Big Nose. I think it was blessed are the cheesemakers. What's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturers of dairy products. See, if you haven't been going on, we'd have heard that, Big Nose. Hey, say that once more, I'll smash your bloody face in. Better keep listening. Might be a bit about blessed are the big noses. Oh, lay off him. Oh, you're not so bad yourself, conk face. Where are you two from? Nose Don't City? pick your nose. I wasn't going to pick my nose. I'm going to thump him. You hear that? Blessed are the Greek. Big Greek. Mm. Well, apparently he's going to inherit the earth. Did anyone catch his name? You're not going to thump anybody. I'll thump him if he calls me big nose again. Oh, shut up, big nose. Oh, what? I warned you. Oh, really, we'll slug you so hard. Oh! the meek. Blessed are the meek. Oh, that's nice, isn't it?